Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable inviting you once again to stay tuned for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. Hope this day finds you well, but even if you are not, even if you are in uh, trouble, trouble, trouble times and dire circumstances, we want you to know that God loves you. In spite of your immediate circumstance, we want to really take one of Satan's great weapons away from him that he uses so efficiently against many of us as children of the Lord, and that is, and and many people who don't know Christ even, and that is to cause us to doubt the love of God. That's why this message is so important today, because we need a foundation for our faith that is stronger than all of the things that may befall us in this faulty body, in this fallen world, that may cause our faith to be shaken. So we're going to talk about today, once again, the love of God, faith's strong foundation, faith's strong foundation. We find our text in Psalm 36 and verse 7. We see the, this incentive to trust Him. And it says simply, How excellent is Thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of Thy wings. I really like the Amplified. It says, How precious is Your steadfast love! And I love the paraphrase that says how eager we are to run under your wings. David's rejoicing in times of great trouble and and threat is because he was assured of God's protective love. Like a mother bird covering her young, he knew God covered him. This is not just an understanding of God's awesome power, but his absolute incredible love that overshadowed David and overshadows you and me today. Listen to what David said in Psalm 63 and verse 7. He said, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Hallelujah. What a powerful incentive for trust in the time of trouble. I like the paraphrase of verse 3 through 8 where we find this wonderful verse 7. And it says, Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. How I praise you. I will honor you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You see, friend, when you are discouraged and I am discouraged and we question why would a loving God permit this to befall me, then I don't have an incentive to trust Him. And therefore, I don't have an incentive to pray. And Satan is disarming us of this mighty weapon of prayer that we have to use against the devil and everything he brings against us. Ah, but verse 5, David said, You satisfy me more than the richest of foods. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think how much you have helped me. I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. I follow close behind you. See, because of God's tender, tenacious love, His loving kindness, David had an, an, an absolute, unbroken trust that God would take 
care of him. That God would take care of him. Because God loves you, he will protect you. You see, Jesus talked about this covering love in Matthew 23 and verse 37. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered my children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. God wanted to protect and defend His people, but they refused. Therefore, their enemies overcame them. Today, God wants the same thing for you. And God wants the same thing for me. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And that's the kind of love that is revealed in the Old and the New Covenant. We have a revelation of God and we have the cross of Christ screaming, I love you in the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, they had some kind of understanding because David said, How excellent is thy hasid, thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the sons of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. In the New Testament, we find the word faith. And we find in Hebrews 11, that great faith chapter in the New Covenant, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For they that come to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. What causes us to run to God? What causes us to trust in God? What causes us uh, to, to, to have such faith in Him? It's that understanding of His person, not just that reading of His promise. We need to know what He has promised. And what He has purposed is what He has promised. He reveals His purposes through His promises. But friend of mine, it is the person who made the promise. When I say faith, most Christians today, because of the way faith is being defined and presented, think of a force within us that just that supernatural ability to believe. And there is a gift of faith, certainly. But I'm talking about faith in the general sense. Faith that is not part of the gifts of the Spirit, but is something that God has granted that to every one of us, that we might have faith to believe Him when He speaks to us, when He reveals through His Word, through His promises, His purposes for our life. Amen. When I say faith and you think of a force, then we, we miss what we, God really wants us to see. But when I say trust, you don't think of a force within you. You think of a person. A person that you know well enough that you do not doubt their word. And in the sense of God, we do not doubt His love for us. And that's why that we trust Him. Initially, it's not His integrity. The fact that He cannot and will not lie that brings the foundation to our faith. But it is the fact that God loves us with an everlasting love. Praise God. Amen. Look what he said to ancient Israel in Isaiah 49, 14 through 16. He said, But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. 
Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have craven thee on the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. You see, God commits himself by covenant to be the faithful, faithful husband in the Old Testament to Israel. In Hebrews 13.5, Christ promises to never leave nor forsake us. So it says, let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Praise God. That word, I will never leave, is in the emphatic sense. And it would be read this way, I will never, no, never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the great weapon of the enemy of our soul, the devil, against us is the fact that 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 he tries to convey to us the false fact that he says, you know, God doesn't love you. If he loved you, he would not allow this to occur. If he loved you, he would not permit this to happen. And when we need to trust God the most through the troubles and trials, persecutions and 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 all of the possibilities of living in a faulty body in a fallen world that Jesus said in this world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world if it wasn't for the love of God that was absolutely believed and received by the Apostle Paul. He would have given up. He would have caved in. He would not have been able to stand all the persecutions and all of the circumstances that he went through. But because of his understanding and his appropriating of God's love in his life, Paul was able to trust God through it all. Praise God. Amen. And, and we need an understanding of that kind of love today. Romans 8 and verse 32 said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know what he's saying? He said he doesn't just keep his promises to prove his integrity but primarily because He loved us. And because He loved us to the degree of giving His Son. You see, the cross, before you feel anything or experience anything, the cross is the, the, the single most important foundation for the love of God in our life. It wasn't nails that held Jesus to that cross. It wasn't Caesar's Rome. It wasn't Pilate's authority as the governor. It was nothing that any man could do to make him stay on that cross. It wasn't the guard, those guards that arrested him or the guards posted at the foot of the cross. Jesus told Peter when Peter tried to defend him, when they came to arrest him on the way to the cross, to the kangaroo court that would beat him, convict him, beat him almost to death before he was even impaled upon the cross. Peter pulled his sword and Jesus said, put it up, Peter. Put it up. If my kingdom were of this world, I would call the armies of heaven to deliver me and destroy the world. 
Jesus is called in the Old Covenant the Lord of Hosts. And that means the Commander-in-Chief of Heaven's Armies. That's why when He comes back in the book of Revelation, He is riding a white horse as the Commander-in-Chief. Hallelujah! And and there's a name uh, written upon His thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and the armies of heaven are following Him. He is the Commander-in-Chief of heaven's armies, and He could call those warrior angels, the myriads of warrior angels in heaven, to deliver Him from the cross in the hands of mere men, said, Peter, I don't need you or your sword to defend me. Because it wasn't, it wasn't those soldiers that beat him, that nailed him to the tree and guarded him there. They kept him on that cross. It wasn't the nails through his hands nor his precious feet. You know what held him to that cross, my dear brethren? It was nothing less than God's love for fallen man expressed in Christ Himself. To wit, the Bible teaches, God was in Jesus Christ, redeeming the world to Himself upon that cross. It caused the songwriter to write, Amazing love, how can it be that this my God would die for me? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Of all the 31,175 verses of the Bible, John 3.16 may well stand out as the greatest text of the entire Bible. It has been translated into over 1,100 languages of the world, and why not? This single scripture has been used by soul winners and the Holy Spirit to lead more sinners out of darkness into light than any other verse in the Bible. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it was, it was Paul's, uh, really his statement about the love of God was, was a statement on his faith to believe God no matter what. And he said in Romans 8.32, He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God would not withhold his only begotten Son, if he would give heaven's best because of his love for fallen man, not faithful men and women, but for fallen man, You know, the Scripture said God commends His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means today there's no one in this listening audience that is such a sinner that God would withhold His love for you. He's already released it towards you when He sent Jesus into this world. And when Jesus hung on that cross and paid the sin debt, Christ died, the Scripture said, for the ungodly. Jesus said, the righteous do not need a physician. It's the sin sick that are sick unto death because of sin and its power and its hold on us and the sins that we have committed, the transgressions that we have committed. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised 
for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. All we like sheep without exception have gone astray, but God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, friend, it's all about this incredible, intense love that God has for you and God has for me. Make no mistake about it. It is not His will that any perish, but that all have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. That's why He went to the cross. And that's why He's coming back again. Oh, friend, God loves you today with an everlasting love. That's why the Scripture said in 1 John 4, verse 9 through 10, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son in the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sin. Friend of mine, this is the foundation for all of our faith. It is the love of God. That's why Isaiah Watts said it well when he said his dying. Crimson, like a robe, spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then I am dead to the world, and all the world is dead to me. Paul prayed that we would know and experience the full extent of God's love. And he made the statement that this Isaac Watts was, was writing about when he said, If I glory, I will glory in this. That word glory means to boast in. And this is not prideful boasting. This is saying I have something that is so vital to my victory, so important in my life, that when I talk about it, I always, I always put it in the forefront. He said, if I will glory in anything, I will glory in the cross whereby of Jesus Christ, whereby I am crucified to this world, and this world is crucified to me. You see, his devotion to Christ was based on receiving and reciprocating that wonderful love that God expressed through Jesus to us at the cross. That's why he wrote to the church at Corinth, I don't want to know anything among you, but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. This was the source of his devotion, a devotion so strong that he said nothing Nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Apostle Paul had a devotion to God and he had a faith in God that was based squarely on the love of God. Hallelujah. And that, that foundation for faith was a trust in a person, not just a force that supernaturally was appeared within us. I understand there's a gift of faith, uh, which is a supernatural gift granted. But I'm not talking about a gift of the Spirit. I'm talking about a faith that is developed matured and become strong as we begin to know 
and believe the love that God has for us. I want to go back to that original text again. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the sons of men put their trust in the shadow of thy wing. You see, this is faith that worketh by love. It is not faith that just comes by some supernatural ability to believe, but faith that grows out of a fellowship relationship where we get to know the Father well enough to put our trust in Him. If you really don't understand Old Testament trust, you will never comprehend New Testament faith. Oh, let's get away from the Star Wars ideas of the Force be with you. Oh, the Force is a farce, and we know it to be. But the Father is a real person. God is a spirit, but He has personality and character. And the Scripture literally says we have known and believed the love that God has for us in First John. For God is love. You see... The initial foundation for faith is not just God has all power and God has all knowledge, but God is love. And Paul is saying if he loved us enough to give his only begotten son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things. So the great issue of faith and question of faith is not does he have all power and is he able to help us. And hear us when we cry unto Him. It's not does He have all knowledge and know how to help us. He has both of those. He has both omnipotence and omniscience. Ah, but does He love us enough to respond to us when we come to Him by faith? Yes, He does. His eyes are upon the righteous and His ears are open to our cry. He's not keeping a covenant because He's legally bound to it. This is a love covenant. And He said to ancient Israel, whom He made the initial covenant with through Abraham, I didn't love you because you're more in number than any other people. I didn't love you because you were greater in some sense. (laughs) He, in fact, said you're a hard-hearted, stiff-necked people. And why in the world would he make that kind of a choice? I believe he made it to demonstrate the strength of his covenant love. But he went on to say, But I set my love upon you, that I might keep my covenant with Abraham thy father. I set my love upon you. This is a covenant to love and a covenant motivated by love. So this is not a legal contract that a God with integrity is bound by His integrity and holiness to keep. This is a contract made because He loved fallen man and He wanted to demonstrate through a little nation of people that it wasn't easy to love. <laughs> that you, for, you may forsake me, but I will not forsake you. And if you return to me, I will return to you. Praise God. This is the God that we're dealing with. This is the God that we're serving. And everything that He does is because that He loves you and because that He loves me. It's because of His great love 
wherewith He loved us, that He gave His Son at the cross. Hallelujah. And He wants you to know that love. He wants me to know that love. Listen to this scripture that Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians three sixteen through 19. said that He would grant unto you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inward, inward man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. See the foundation for your faith, your, your, your salvation and believing God for all of your needs is this, that you being rooted. Rooted is an agricultural term. It's the potting soil that a plant is planted in to begin its growth. And we start out with an understanding, appreciation, and appropriation of God's love for us. As a tender plant, we begin to grow in our faith. We are rooted, being rooted and grounded in love. Grounded is foundational again. It's an architectural term for a foundation being laid. We are rooted and grounded in love, we begin to build and grow in our faith and in our faithfulness because we first understand and receive the love of God. Verse 18 said, May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and to be filled with all the fullness of God. Ah, you know the Bible said that the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts the love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. This is something that is revealed primarily through the cross in the New Covenant. And then it is experienced by realization as the Holy Spirit lets us feel and sense that we are loved and beloved of God in our very heart. When you're in a deep, dark valley and the devil is screaming in your ears if God loves you, if God cared, why would He allow this to happen to you? Why would He allow that thing to happen that broke your heart? Oh, a friend of mine, it's this understanding of His love that gives us a foundation for our faith that will not be shaken, even though all kinds of events that we don't understand may befall us, because the cross is the final authority on that cross, our Savior is dying. And He is saying with every breath of agonized breath that He took on that cross, I love you. I love you. I love you. I could call heaven's armies, but I won't because I love you. I could come down and destroy the world, but I won't because I love you. And the cross should scream, I love you, louder than the circumstance and the enemy of our soul that's trying to cause us to drop the shield of faith. Give up on prayer. Give up on God. Become discouraged and be, and be in a state of hopelessness. 
Ah, friend of mine today, the love of God is so strong. It is so very powerful today. Someone wrote it this way. Amazing love, how can it be that this my king, literally my God, would die for me? And he says it. Could we with ink an ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, the love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. It is the great central theme of the gospel. It is the great song of salvation in heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is the wonderful, powerful love of God. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will come to Christ, that you will come to Him. I know His love is drawing you. There's no doubt in my mind that the love that held Jesus to the tree is drawing you, telling you, I love you. I want to forgive you. I want fellowship with you. I want a relationship with you. I want you to live with me in the city I've prepared for you forever and forever. Come to Christ today. If you're a Christian today, let's come back next week and let's go deeper and deeper. And know this person that has loved us this much. God bless you.